Our communion meditation is from Genesis chapter 9. Genesis 9, verses 1 through 6. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, on all that move on the earth, and on all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs, but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man. From the hand of every man's brother I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And as was just prayed, uh, we recognize it, Lord, as uh, your directions to us, your laws to us. You circumscribe us uh, with this word. You define our reality. So we pray, Lord, that we would hear it, that we would heed it, that we would uh, have it to guide us throughout our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago, I received a gift and... It was entitled, 1,234 Quite Interesting Facts. And it was a gift from my wife. And I've read the book now. I've read all 1,234 facts. Now, many of them are interesting. Many of them are suspect. I reject them uh, outright, some of them. And all along, I kept thinking, what would Josh think of this one? What would Josh think of that one? If you don't know who, which Josh I'm talking about, then you probably haven't met Josh. <laughs> But uh, one of these facts really struck me. I mentioned it last night in conversation with my family. This fact said 150 billion animals are killed each year in this world by humans. 150 billion animals are killed by humans. And so I thought, well, can that be correct. Is that even close to being correct? Well, I've done some research on this, and I think it's probably pretty close. I doubt we can get exact, of course. But in 2008 alone, Americans ate 9.1 billion chickens. Now, that's only America. 9.1 billion chickens. Now, when it says animals, you have to ask, well, what exactly do they mean by animals? And so let's say it's mammals. Let's say that we're talking about mammals. And so pigs, cows, goats, uh, lambs, calves, various varieties of all of these mammals, um, you can conceivably get to 150 billion when you consider the population of the world and how many people eat everything, animals. I, I've always said the Chinese eat everything. When, when you read in verse 93, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you, the Chinese take that very literally, I think. And so those of you that have been to China, uh, can, I think can sometimes attest to that. Now, man is the pinnacle of creation. God created everything on earth, plants, animals, man. But we live at a time when many consider man just another animal. Man just happens to be the most highly evolved animal, but they consider man an animal. But Scripture doesn't. Scripture doesn't regard man as an animal. Sometimes man behaves badly, animalistically, but yet he is not an animal. 
God explicitly gave man rule over this world. In Genesis 1, here again in Genesis 9, you see it stated very clearly. And we see that he had initially given green herbs for food in Genesis 1, but then after the fall, after the flood, when they're getting off the boat, all, all living creatures have been given to man as food, as food. Now, there are some in our culture that seek rights for animals. And I'm not talking about just honoring the property rights of people that own animals. I'm saying that animals in and of themselves have rights. That's what people want to grant. And so it's uh, activism, animal activism. There are many organizations seeking this. I was on a website of a woman named Emily. Her website is entitled Bite Size Vegan. And she contrasts deaths of soldiers and deaths during war of civilians with animal deaths. Now, she does point out a couple times she's not trying to equate animals with humans. But she does, in a sense. So she talks about, and now some of the, what she describes is pretty, pretty ghastly, and it's not necessarily humane. It's not necessarily the way that man ought to be treating animals. But yet we know that God gave us the right to eat the animals. That's scripturally given. So now, if we add to what I described as the mammals that we eat, if we add fish, and if we add shrimp and crustaceans from the sea, that number goes way up into the trillions pretty quickly. And it's funny, because I was about to talk on this, and then I was talking with uh, our uh, deacon uh, Dykstra about some shrimp farms down in Texas that we're a little concerned about right now. And so... Uh, when you add fish and all these other creatures, we are into the trillions. We eat trillions of these living creatures every year as humans. This woman said this, 2.7 trillion more fish are killed every year than humans have ever existed. So in other words, in a year we eat more fish than humans have ever existed. Concerning bees, now this is where I feel that she does kind of step over bounds a little bit. She says this, bees. One to 6.5 trillion bees are enslaved on farms at any given moment. Enslaved. I, I thought, wow, that is ridiculous. But, and then she goes on and she kind of sums up this article. She's speaking mostly to people that uh, like her, of course, and she's wanting to influence them. And there is a lot of pressure amongst vegans to be true to this calling, to not eat meat. It's on you to step up and go vegan as fast as you possibly can, she says. I mean, she's trying to, it's a call to arms. She wants all of her vegan friends to take this much more seriously. Now, some of this is humorous. I've seen many humorous things, uh, you know, like the alternate acronym for PETA, for instance. But I think there is some truth to her criticism in that not all people treat animals humanely. A lot of these animals die in ways that probably wouldn't be consistent with what God would want, let's say. And so there are humane ways to kill these creatures, more humane ways. But I want to share something from Scripture. My, my caution is that I think sometimes we can go too far the other way in opposing people such as this who are in the wrong, but yet is God going to use them to educate us on something? Let me read 2 Samuel, starting at verse 12, verse, or chapter 12, verse 1. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. 
The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb which he had bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. I'm going to stop reading right there. I stopped just prior to the point that Nathan was making. Now, we know that this is in the context of David being rebuked by Nathan, being, being brought to life, essentially, his morality brought to life by this rebuke because David had just killed Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, and had then married Bathsheba. And Nathan is coming to him with this story, and David is morally outraged by what this rich man has done. There is so much in here that we can unpack, but I, I want to stay focused. So now, what I want to point out is the centrality of the lamb to this story. It was that poor man's right in God's economy to treat that lamb like a daughter, to raise it in his home, to have it drink from his own cup. Yet, Sometimes I think we go too far in judging such people in our culture. Why do people spend so much money on pet food? It's an outrage. It's a moral outrage that people spend so much money on pet food in America when poor people are starving on the streets. That's not our call to say how these people should spend their own money. We are judging another man's servant. We're sinning in our thoughts and in our statements when we say and are so harsh in judging people like that. And yet what's interesting is that this lamb is property. David said that rich man would have to restore fourfold. David was king. He could have said like the queen in Alice in Wonderland, off with his head, but he didn't. He didn't go beyond scripture. Scripture limits that lamb's life to being property. But the poor man viewed that little lamb as far more than property. We know that. And so our heart goes out to such a man. This was so cruel of that rich man to do that. But the rich man has only to honor the law. And David didn't want to go beyond the law. He's not going to try to be punitive towards that rich man. But so what we see here, I think, in clear scriptural presentation is that all animals were given to mankind as food. We have that right to eat them. Yet, we also have an equal right to make them our pets. And I don't care what they are. I don't care if they're lions or tigers or bears. I think that scripturally, we should be allowed to have lions and tigers and bears. They might eat a neighbor, and then we'll be held accountable for that, I agree. They might eat one of our children, and then we'll be held accountable. But scripture defines reality for us, defines what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do. And let's not go beyond that. As a culture, as a Christian culture, let's commit to doing and honoring what God says is right and wrong. So, the degree to which your thinking is out of conformity with this truth, you want to be a vegan, you don't want to eat animals, and you don't want other people to eat them either, you're going beyond Scripture. 
I don't have pets. I don't think people should spend money on pets. That's wasteful. That's irresponsible. You're going beyond Scripture. Both extremes go beyond Scripture. We have to let God's Word dictate right. Now, we come to the table, and see, when we come to the table, we come to acknowledge God's blessing and grace in our life. Yet, we also commit to God to obey Him, to conform our minds to His Word. And to the degree that our minds now, our consciences are out of conformity to God's Word, is the degree to which we're wrong. So if we feel morally outraged by any truth that God presents in His Word, you've been blessed because you've been, it's been pointed out to you clearly by your own heart, your own mind, that you need to get right with God. You need to embrace His Word as opposed to our culture, which distorts everything. So let's pray. So let's commit to honor God as we come forward to this table. Father, we thank you. This is your table. This is your food. You are feeding us, and you continue to feed us day in and day out. Lord, we thank you for the gift of life, and we know that life is precious. And yet, it is man that was made the pinnacle of creation, the master of this world. And so we thank you, Lord, for that honor, and we pray that we would exercise our role in it justly and righteously but that we would also uh, properly stand against those that would try to uh, conflate man's rights with animal rights. We thank you, Lord. Please, by this uh, food and drink, bless our bodies. Have your spirit to bless and lead us into the future. In Christ's name, amen.